This is Katrin with Disability Rights New York. Welcome to our podcast, Empire State of Rights, closed captioned. We are here to bring you information on the most relevant topics regarding disability rights and advocacy. Today, we welcome DRNY's Pat Patby and PAVA Director, Christy Aspey, and she's joined by DRNY Staff Attorney, Brandy Tomlinson. They're here to discuss the Department of Transportation's regulation updates for service animals on planes. Christy and Brandy, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you. Brandy, let's start off by talking about what the new regulations are from DOT. What is this going to mean for people who are traveling and what should they know? So the Department of Transportation has updated its regulations to now state that assistance animals only include service animals when traveling by airplane. So what this means is that emotional support animals are no longer considered assistance animals. And as well, the Department of Transportation has also created specific forms for assistance animals that airlines can now choose whether or not they want to implement these forms. But there are two different types of forms. There's going to be one about the behavior, health, and training And then the second one is going to be regarding if you're taking a long flight, which would be eight hours or more, regarding your service animal's ability to relieve or not relieve itself in a sanitary manner. And Christy, this issue, this conversation has been going on for a really long time. And let's talk about the history. You know, how did this come about? And how did we get to this point? How did the DOT make this determination to change this in such a drastic way? This is not a new conversation by any stretch of the imagination. I think a lot of the public has been um, made aware of both sides of the conversation. So there is a side where people are bringing certain types of assistance animals on that are sort of non-traditional, considered non-traditional. And those, by definition, would have fallen under an emotional support animal category historically where, you know, some people who use, for example, guide dogs because they have blindness or low vision, they were using trained specialty service animals in a way that looks a lot different from the use of an emotional support animal. So the history behind this has been a bit conflicted, right? And from, you know, all different types of conversations have occurred around this conversation. The Driving force, however, is pretty clear. It's that the Department of Transportation and the FAA wanted to align their assistance animal policy with the the rest of the ADA. So the rest of the ADA, so when you're talking about going out into public spaces or in your work environment or into government buildings or programs, they only recognize and allow a person with a disability to be accompanied by their service animal, which is a trained animal. And so they're really trying to make it so that the interior part of the airport matches what is allowed on the airplane. And I think it's important for our audience to, to really understand the difference right, between a service animal and an emotional support animal. I think there's been a lot of media and news coverage. There's been a lot of stories about um, service animals, and some of them are, in fact, emotional support animals. So let's talk a little bit about that and let our audience know the difference. 
So I will be able to talk about service animals and, you know, I'm going to pass the torch on afterwards to Brandy and she can tell us a little bit about emotional support animals. So a service animal has a very clear definition under the ADA, under titles one, two, and three, which are the common titles that we as disability rights advocates look to when we're talking about service animals. A service animal is a trained dog, in some instances, miniature horse, it's individually trained to perform a task or tasks for a person with a disability. So it used to be considered very narrowly. The definition was not very expansive. So over the years, and I think largely, you know, this came about with veterans and and veterans finding benefit or former military members, regardless of their veteran status, they found great value in psychiatric service dogs. So the definition has expanded a bit to include psychiatric service dogs so long as the dog is trained to perform a task for the individual with a disability. Crucial to this definition is that the dog or miniature horse is under control. So that means that it's not a nuisance, it's not barking, it's not sniffing around for food, it's not, uh, you know, sniffing individuals that, you know, it shouldn't be around. That is a key part in the definition, in meeting the definition of a service animal. And Christy, before we go on and have Brandy talk about emotional support animals, We've also seen stories where people are being asked to verify, give some kind of certificate or proof that the service animal is in fact a certified service animal. Can we just speak to that for a minute and let our audience know the validity of that? Yeah. So a while back, we did a podcast on this very issue. In fact, we did a series. So if you're interested in that topic, I definitely suggest listening to that series and we can put that below. For purposes of the DOT and these regulations within the airplane, there is no certification requirement. You do not have to get your dog certified by some third party. Um, Most states do not have a certification system in place. And to the extent that they do, I don't know if it would even comport with the requirements here. What is required is the forms that Brandy mentioned, which are attestation forms and vet forms. This is in line with what is required under the ADA generally, so it does not deviate in any substantial way. So yeah, to the extent that you're asked for some sort of license or card or vest, then no, absolutely not. Those are not required under the law to identify a dog as a service animal. And Brandy, that's a a good way to come back to the forms that the airlines are going to have you fill out when you're deciding to travel with your service animal. But let's talk about the emotional support animals. Let's talk about how they're different from service animals. So emotional support animals, they're the opposite of service animals to the extent that they're not required to be trained or be trained to perform a specific task on behalf of an individual with a disability. Emotional support animals, the role is to provide emotional support and comfort to people with disabilities. Thank you both for making that distinction. I think there's a lot of information out there that sometimes just doesn't get clarified for us. So, Brandy, let's continue the conversation. Let's talk about moving forward. These new 
regulations were put into place on January 11th. So they're in full swing right now. What should people anticipate when they're boarding? So when you're boarding the plane, you should anticipate that your assistant animal needs to be able to fit within your seat space on the floor or on your lap. You are also limited to two service animals at a time. Your service dog also needs to be harnessed or on a leash. And another thing too, kind of going back to the forms that we mentioned earlier, if you book your flight within 48 hours of your flight, the airline, if they're requiring these forms, they have to allow you to fill out these forms at the gate before you board the plane. Otherwise, if you have boarded or you book your ticket, you know, well in advance of 48 hours, I recommend that you call the airline, find out first if they're requiring these forms, and then second, find out when their required deadline is for submitting these forms. And there are a lot of choices out there when we're flying, right? You don't have to get on the same company flight every time. Will there be a variance in the forms and the regulations that are necessary depending on what airline you fly? So not all airlines have to adopt these forms. So even though the Department of Transportation draft these forms, they're not requiring the airline to, to use them. So what I recommend you do is call the airline or several different type of airlines if you want. Find out which airlines are requiring these forms and which are not. And Brandy, just to finish up, if you're traveling by train or car or any other type of transportation, are these regulations going to be enforced as well? Or is, are these regulations just for airlines? These regulations are just for airlines. And Christy, if there are people that are having difficulty confirming service animal accommodations for their travel or receiving conflicting information, whether it's from the airline or someone maybe at the ticket desk or the website, who can they contact? How can they get clarifying information on what they need to do? Every airline is supposed to have a complaint resolution official. This is abbreviated as a CRO. When you are at the gate, you may not have access to that person or that team of people for the airline. So if you are experiencing resistance from an airline staff, it can be a good idea to ask for management or contact the customer service and uh, and try to get in touch with the CRO office. Or you can also consider, you know, holding off on getting on a flight and uh, and you know identifying the issue and why you're not using your uh, your ticket at that time and try to resolve the issue after your plane is left if it if if it does become that big of a problem. Now, if you cannot resolve it directly with the airline, you can also file a complaint with the DOT. You can also contact Disability Rights New York if you are a person living in New York State with a disability, or you can contact the Protection Advocacy Agency in your own state if you are outside of New York State. And we'll put the links to all of those contacts in the description of this podcast. Brandy, Christy, before we sign off, is there anything else that you'd like our audience to know about the new regulations or about traveling with your service animal? Yes, I think I want to let our audience know, especially for individuals that generally in the past travel with emotional support animals, I just want our audience to know you may still be able to travel with your emotional support animal following the airline pet rule. So 
contact the airline, say, you know, I know I can't have my emotional support animal as an assistant animal anymore. However, can I please bring my emotional support animal on board as a pet? That's a, a really good point, and I'm glad you made it. A lot of people travel with their pets and they may think that they can't do that anymore, but of course it is an option. It's just going to be different now. Brandy, Christy, thank you so much for joining us today. We look forward to speaking with you again. Thank you everyone. And and to the extent that anyone has any remaining questions, feel free to connect with Disability Rights New York. Empire State of Rights closed captioned has been brought to you by Disability Rights New York your source for disability rights and advocacy. If you enjoyed our program, make sure to subscribe, like, and share this post. If there is a subject you would like us to discuss, please email podcast at drny.org or comment below. Tune in next Wednesday, where we'll bring you more information on disability rights in the state of New York. The closed captioned and ASL version of this podcast is available on our YouTube channel. To listen to more Empire State of Rights closed captioned, follow us on Apple Podcasts and Spotify.